Jesus, you're good to us, and we trust you, and we trust your word. We trust that today we will hear from you because your word speaks to us, not because of anything that I say or anything that I do, but because this is how you've chosen to reveal yourself to us as your people, revealing yourself to us through your word, ultimately so that we can see and know your son. So I pray that as we look into your word today, that we will know your son better. If there are any here who are away from you, no relationship with you, I pray you would save them. I pray that you would speak in ways that we are completely affected by. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open those to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. We are continuing to walk through the book of Joshua. We're going to look at the first 15 verses of this. I'm going to read it over us. As soon as Adonazedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, he feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, because it was greater than Ai. And all its men were warriors. So Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, to Piram, king of Jarmuth, to Japhia, king of Lachish, and to Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gibeon. For it has made peace with Joshua and with the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered their forces and went up with all their armies and encamped against Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp in Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servants. Come up. To us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorite who dwell in the hill country are gathered against us. So Joshua went up from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came up. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Haran and struck them as far as Ezekiah to Mekedah. And as they fled before Israel... While they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. And at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gives the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son... Stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalion. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. 
Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or ever since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. What does it mean for us to respond to God? What does it mean when God would choose to respond to us? That we would be people who have a God who speaks to us and encourages, allows, enables, empowers us to respond to his word in a way that says that we are actively for a God who is for us. Responses are interesting. Some of us are really good at responding to text messages and phone calls. Uh, Others of us are not. You may look at your phone from time to time and realize there are numerous alerts as to the people that you have not called back. Maybe you're the very much like a pastor friend of mine who screenshot his phone one day and you realize that he had 178 unanswered text messages. Those are bad people. And if you're one of those people, you are also a bad person. I received a text message the other day and I did not know how to respond to it. Here is what it read. Exciting news, Chad. You filled out the fashion show application here at Hamilton Place Mall. And the show scout producer, Mrs. Angel, always Mrs. Angel, picked your application as one of the 40-year-olds that she is considering putting in the fashion show. She wanted me to text you immediately because she does not want... (laughs) This is ridiculous. She does not want to make any final decisions until she sees you in person. The one week people choose to talk back is to insult me. Can you get up here to the mall to meet the head scout, Mrs. Angel? She wants to see you ASAP. Text back the correct spelling of your first and last name for her audition and text what what time works best for you to meet her. Saturday, November 17th at 1 p.m. or 4 p.m. What time will you be attending? Then she had also attached the card, the card that I had filled out. Dress pants, size 32. That was filled out when I was in the seventh grade. Have you ever been in a fashion show, photo shoot, or talent show? Yes. If you win, what would you like to audition for? These were listed. Fashion shows, TV shows, dance and music videos. Do you have any special skills? Talking. This I, re- <laughs> I responded immediately to about three people who would be on my list of folks who would fill something like this out. With something to the effect of, I will bring vengeance down upon you. (laughs) Responses. Knowing how to respond. Knowing how to interact when things are sent our way. What is our response to God? When we look into Joshua and we get to chapter 10... 
we see a couple of things at play that we cannot overlook and that we cannot misunderstand. One is that we would notice that God's authority is actively at work here. His authority in his relationship with his people, his authority in his relationship with the oaths that his people have made, his authority over the earth itself, over the sun, over the moon, his his authority over life and death. How do we respond to God's authority in these places? We, we first see that in verses 10, 1 through 4, because we are reminded as to the promise that God has made, the oath that has been made in His name by the people of Israel. As you read through these verses, you see that what has taken place, there is a group of enemies of Israel, and they have heard that Gibeon have has aligned itself with this nation. And in their alignment, in their choosing to be on God's side, to be part of God's people, they raise up to defeat Gibeon. Sadnazadek sends for help in crushing them. He calls his friends Vinny and Puki and Guido, the big German guy from... Raiders of the Lost Ark. And when he gets this group of people together, he said, we will rise up against this nation for they have wronged us. This small city-state of Gibeon. Because look at all that they have. They have now given the nation of Israel their best warriors. They have given them their place. And the reply of Gibeon in verses 6 and 7, God You promised us you would be for us. Israel, you said in the name of your God that we are in this together. So verse 7, Joshua goes up to Gilgal. He and all the people of war with him and the mighty men of valor. That's a pretty great phrase there too. Joshua actively replies to God. He responds to what God has said. He responds to the oath that he has made in the name of his God. He responds to this nation that he has aligned himself with. But as he aligns himself with them, we see in verse 8, the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear, for I have given them into your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Please notice what God encourages the people of Israel with. What he encourages Joshua, their leader, with. He does not say to him, Joshua, do not fear. Because if you will remember, the Gibeonites are fierce warriors and I have made them part of the battle that you're fighting. He has not said to them, Joshua, the As you approach them, I have worked this out so that you will win this battle and it will be a costly battle to you. What God does as he encourages the nation of Israel and as he encourages Joshua is he lets them know not how equipped they are, but how equipped he is. I have given them into your hands. And then he uses the same language that has been a common thread through this passage. Don't be afraid. Think through the things that I've done. Think through how I've worked. 
God's not so much about reassuring us with new things that He will do, but by working in and through the ways that He's already shown Himself. Those rocks of memory and remembrance. The places that we can look and we can see that our God has not stepped away from our scenario and that He is for us. We need to be people who see that we can apply these old truths to our current needs. And it is crucial for us to think about what God has done when we are considering what we would like to see Him do. How often do we find ourselves begging God for signs? God, could you just show me that you'll do something? With no consideration whatsoever of what he's already done or how he has already acted. I grew up in a home where my mom was sick with cancer. And as a, an 11-year-old, I remember being in our yard shooting baskets, begging God for signs. God, if I make this shot, my mom will live. Side note, my shooting ability wasn't great. God, if if you could just let me make this shot over the car from underneath this tree branch. How often do we ask God for signs forgetting the ones that he has already given. That God has shown us a sign of his love and his faithfulness and his care and and all of these things in the person of Jesus. 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God because that is what we are. God's love manifests to us fully in Jesus. Our grasp of the love of God because of what He has done for us on the cross, the basis by which we understand everything in this life and the basis for which we should respond to everything that comes at us. We respond to God and we see His authority, not asking Him for signs, but realizing that all that we have in life is actually pointing to us trusting in Him more. We see, though, also our activity. God's authority does not in any way cancel out our activity. Verse 9. So Joshua came up upon them suddenly, having marched up all night from Gilgal. God's assurance did not spark a passive response from Joshua. It actually energized him. God's servant was called forth by God's comfort. He was activated by God's assurance. Most of us ask God to do something and we expect that we get to sit on the sideline and do whatever we would like while he does it. God has promised victory for Joshua. And Joshua's response to that victory is that he would take steps to see that victory come about. And you notice in verse 9, there is a full march because of that. We will be ready when this battle presents itself. Because we believe that our God is that faithful. He is active. 
How active are we to the things that God has called us to do, to the mission that God has put before us? Thankfully, we are not going into battles. But we are called to this mission of God presented to us fully in Jesus. And a passive response to the mission of God reveals a lack of concern for the person of God. Again, a passive response to the mission of God reveals a lack of concern for the person of God known as the Messiah. How are you actively responding to God so that you are in a position to see God act? Because there is not a passive calling for believers. There's not a passive calling for me individually, nor is there a passive calling for us corporately. God has called us as a body, a group of people, to present Him as pure and holy and good in a world where He is not. Individually is our personal faith leading to a corporate faith. That we would be part of something bigger. That we would see our place in what God does in communities of faith like Grace Bible. We hear some terrible things sometimes. We hear the pushback against church involvement. And it's, it's beautiful. And what I mean by beautiful is it's hot garbage. We hear things like, well, it's just me and the Lord. Well, I don't really need church. I meet with God on my plaid blanket in the woods underneath a tree. For every time we see something like that, we see God counterpoint that with writing letters to the church. God never wrote a letter to us individually. He didn't send something to you at your address. To the church, God addresses himself. And if we are not acting both personally and corporately, then our God, he's small. He's small. One pastor says, a a church that has no understanding of reaching the lost has no business existing. If we are not acting personally and corporately, then we are missing the mission of God laid out before us. Because our God's a warrior. We see that. We, We see that in this text. Our God is actively at work as a warrior. And I think somewhere we have missed that as a people. Go with me, verses 10 through 14. Actually, 10 and 11. The Lord threw them into a panic before Israel. Who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascent of Beth Horon. And struck them as far as Ezekiah and Mechadah. And they, as they fled before Israel... While they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them. As far as Ezekiah, and they died. They were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with a sword. Now this seems really violent. And there are not many things harder to preach than slaughter. But as we have worked through, as we've walked through these ten chapters of Joshua, there was another way. These who would stand in opposition to God just chose not to. They chose not to hear it. There was another way, and Rahab saw it. The Gibeonites, in their misunderstandings, even saw it. 
God has established if the gates are open, we'll show them mercy. But there was no mercy to be shown to these people who were attacking those who made an oath with our God. The Amorites, their wickedness is full, and it is obvious that their gates are closed. And when the God of the Bible sees them, he says, if you still would like to fight, I've got one. How is God a warrior in our world? Well, God, God is a warrior, and he shows that in the Psalms 24, verse 8. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. How does our Lord present himself as a warrior in the Scriptures? Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and he makes war. Not against human beings necessarily, but against the sin that would make men rebellious toward him. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with it, with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of, wine of the fury of wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. But the Jesus that most of us claim to believe in does not seem to do much. That we would be furious against sin and hell, and death in such a way that says that we present that there is righteous hope in our Lord. Not only is God a warrior, He's a listener. We see that in the text. And that's actually one of the big questions that we see in our world. Especially with the tribe to which we belong. If your God is all-powerful, and He is active then why should I do anything? Verse 12. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day. And when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel, he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon. And the moon in the valley of Ajion. And the sun stood still. And the moon stopped. Until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Now there's lots of conversation about this. Did the sun literally stand still? Did, or is this poetic language used to help us see the way that the Israelites saw this battle? John Calvin, theologian, says this, I do not give myself any great anxiety as to the number of the hours because it is enough for me that the day was continued through the whole night. We see Joshua go before the Lord and ask him to do something. Joshua knows that if he asks for the sun to stand still, it will not be because the sun listens to him. Verse 13 continued, Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set up for about a whole day. I don't have the book of Jashar on my, on my shelf. We'll just go with it. 
There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. What? God listened to a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. God hears you. For every insurmountable obstacle, for every overwhelming situation, He hears you. He hears our prayers. He hears the prayers that we don't know how to pray. And some of us right now are in the middle of the battle and we don't know if God even hears, but He hears us. We, we see this in the New Testament. Same Jesus that Revelation talks about with tattoo down his thigh it says this in, in John chapter 12 about our Jesus I'll just turn there John chapter 14 verse 12 truly truly I say to you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 13 again. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. The Lord heeds the voice of men, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there are a couple of things that come into play with this. We see that the nation of Israel, that Joshua has been so close to the Lord that he... He's had this ongoing conversation. And we would see as we read through this text that this is not God teaching us to do spells so that if we just ask something in Jesus' name that he's bound to do it. But we have prayed for God to do things. And as people who are following after him, what he does permit for us is to ask with the discipline that he's given if you ever prayed for God to do something, saying in Jesus' name is you and saying in Jesus' name is me trusting God in such a way where I will lean in with my life to what I hope to see Him do. So that when we pray for our marriage or we pray for our children or we pray for the lost people in our life or for those who are hungry or those who are sick or for those who are globally unreached, we are not saying to God, God, you do these things while I watch from here. But we are saying to God, God, because I trust you enough to be able to claim your name, for that oath to be something that I'm swearing when I say that I'm yours, God, I'm going to lean my life in to what you would have accomplished. It's not signing off. That's how most of us treat prayer. It's a sign off. Especially when we get to this three-word phrase. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. In Jesus' name, let's eat. Or we go through our prayer, whatever that prayer happens to be, and we close out with, in Jesus' name. It's a great way to sign off. We all get frustrated when we log on to anything and we realize that we have been signed out. I try to live my life with my computer signed in at all times. When I click on the app that I want to look at, I don't want to have to go through the process of my phone recognizing my face so it can sign my, my modeling face so that it can get me in. I just want what I want to be there. Nobody logs out of things. 
Because logging out is saying that you're done. Most of us treat praying in Jesus' name as if we are signing out. God, I am done with this. So I will trust for you to be God. But I'm not going to invest any of myself into it. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is an acknowledgement of our helplessness while simultaneously saying that, that in Christ we are going to march forward into this obstacle in His power. So how many of us really need to see that God's authority and our activity, they are not at war with one another? How many of us would... Just say to God, God, the things that I pray for, the things I need to pray about, God, I trust that you're at work in these things. And God, as I pray for my marriage, it's not just me saying, could you fix this while I do this? As I pray for my children, God, can you straighten them out while I do that? It is us saying, God, I want to be so in line and so in tune with who you are and what you would have to happen that I'm going to give everything of myself to see that happen, trusting that I am powerless apart from you working. That's trusting in the name of this powerful warrior who also listens to us. What a world we live in where we have a God who rules over the universe, who heeds the prayers of men and women. And what are we talking to him about that has eternal value? God, make us more like you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know the thing that you're going to war with right now. I don't know the battle that you're in. I don't know if you're trusting in authority or not. What do you need to trust God to carry you through? To get you through. Maybe it's your family or your... Or sickness or something that's stressful... Maybe it's a desire to see those around you reach for the sake of Jesus. Or we signed in to the authority of God and said, God, I trust you. And I'm powerless apart from you. But I'm going to believe in such a way that is not passive, but is actively saying that, you, that I'm on your side because you have made clear that you are the God who rules and cares and loves. Because you are a warrior and you are a listener and those things do not cancel one another out. 
We're going to sing. Feel free to make this a time of prayer for you. If you're here and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, we would love to open the Bible and show you what that means. But for those of us who are believers, and I know regular regular members and regular visitors here on the, the Thursday before Thanksgiving, I would encourage you to take this time and think through, God, what are you doing and how are you working and how can I be part of that? We sing together.